Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices to be found only in the minds of men. The military-industrial complex not only controls our government, but they control our culture. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man nor a group of men, but in all men, in you. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. They do not fulfill their promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had men and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children. In music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. You can deny all the things I've seen, all the things I've discovered, but not for much longer. Because too many others know what's happening out there. And no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. It's about time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. I'm Ryan Gable, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings 
radio broadcast right here on The Fringe FM, where you can find us five nights a week, Monday through Friday, at the same time each night. Listen for free on the network website at thefringe.fm. Tune in, talk stream live, the Paranormal Radio app, the Fringe FM app, and our website, www.thesecretteachings.info where you can find our books and our massive growing show archive right there on the website. If you'd like to contact us, the email is rdgable at yahoo.com and the social media page facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings. I really hope that everybody had a good weekend. A lot occurred over the weekend, especially in occult terms and mythological terms. We'll get to that tonight on the show. Of course, the 20th through the 23rd of June is the summer solstice in the northern hemisphere. Summer solstice is the midpoint between Walpurgis or Beltane and Lugnasad, otherwise known as August Eve summer solstice called Letha, the time in which the sun becomes the most powerful. And yesterday, or the day before yesterday, depending on when you're listening to this broadcast, the 21st of June 2020, like the 21st of June every year, was the official longest day of the year. I don't think it got dark until like, I feel like it was like 10 o'clock and it was still light out. So it was very, very bright, very, very long day. And now the scorpion bites the sun and the sun, like the kiss of Judas, the scorpion, the kiss of death, and the sun begins to decline and eventually fall and then die in the winter. We now have the red horse of the apocalypse. The white horse is spring. And then will come the black horse. And then will come, well, behold, a pale horse. And the rider is death, the imagery of death, the white face, the pale skin. It's an image and an archetype that's applied to death in all of its forms, to trickster-like gods and deities. Clowns even wear the white mask as the Joker from Batman is a trickster character. It's the archetype of, essentially, as he says in one of the newer movies, an agent of chaos, so chaos and destruction. The Lord of Lies, the Lord of Destruction, the Lord of Death, the Lord of Decay kind of like the personification of the Lord of Decay in that of Beelzebub, the Lord of the Flies. And this character is also a theologically and biblically speaking, a Antichrist character. Except this Antichrist character does not bring about peace and harmony directly by promising to bring about this global order that will last for a number of years before 
there is final judgment. This Antichrist promises that peace and obviously doesn't deliver. These other characters, though, in movies and television shows the way they're portrayed, these other characters are directly destructive. They're directly personifying the trickster. So this all has to do with the changing of the seasons. This all has to do with the four horses of the apocalypse. The lords of destruction, the gods of destruction, the gods of chaos, have many agents working within our society, our culture, our civilization. Yesterday, or again the day before yesterday, the 21st of June, not only was it the summer solstice, it was also a day in which a number of very significant, very symbolic, very powerful events transpired. We had the Ring of Fire eclipse, the Ring of Fire eclipse over Asia and Africa. That Ring of Fire, of course, is the serpent consuming its tail, the Araboros, otherwise known as the dragon. And that fire, that red fire, associated with such a dragon, would classify this dragon as a red dragon, like the red dragon from Revelations. And then, of course, you had Father's Day yesterday, and you had the birthday of Prince William, which is interesting and something we'll talk a little bit about tonight. And then you had something a little bit more obscure. You had a number of marches, not for Black Lives Matter, not for women's rights, but for the destruction of human life, literally. There were groups that had coordinated marches at 2 p.m. Pacific time on Sunday the 21st, the summer solstice. These marches were about Lucifer. And I'm not exaggerating. I'm not playing a game with you. This is literally what the marches were about, Luciferian marches. In fact, the Facebook group said that these were marches for a one-world government. A one-world government. Now, the few reports about this claim that the marches aren't necessarily legitimate. One of the places where the marches were supposed to take place was Rochester, New York. I live outside the city now, so I didn't see anything yesterday. It would have happened 2 p.m. Pacific time which would have been a little bit later here. I'd have already been home. I live outside the city now over in Bloomfield, New York. So I didn't see anything. I don't know if anybody listening saw anything. If you did, I'd like to know about it. But these were scheduled to take place from Raleigh, North Carolina, to Salem, Oregon, to Syracuse, New York, to Rochester, New York, to Anchorage, Alaska, Las Vegas, Nevada, Columbus, Ohio, Lincoln, Nebraska, Boston, Massachusetts, Niagara Falls, New York, Los Angeles, Madison, Wisconsin, and a couple of others. I guess there were supposed to be marches also at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem and in Toronto, Canada, which isn't too far here from the Rochester area, Buffalo area 
of New York. Now, apparently, the Facebook group, they had this blurb on their page, and it's supposed to be, I guess, about what they believe. And you can say that this is legitimate. It's not legitimate. It's interesting. It says, We are the disciples of Lucifer, and we are here to fulfill prophecies of revelations and start the foundation of forming a one-world government. We are calling on every citizen of Earth to stand in support of the formation of the one-world government. So on June 21st, 2020, we're calling on every citizen of the Earth to start marches all over the planet in support of forming a one-world government. And it goes on to explain the details of the fulfillment of that one-world government. We are the disciples of Lucifer, and we are here to fulfill the prophecies of Revelations and build a foundation to form a one-world government. It's very, very disturbing that regardless of whether these marches were legitimate or not, and, and that's a hard thing to determine because people could have gotten together in small groups, and if it's not reported on by mainstream media, and very little by alternative media sources, or it doesn't make it into social media, then it's as if it didn't happen when it might have actually occurred. But even if people got together and were demanding a one-world government, I mean, who are these people? I don't think that they're just common folk. I don't think that they're just people on the internet who decided, well, I, I get, you know, I don't have anything to do on Sunday. So I, I guess I'll go down to this Luciferian march. And I guess I'll, 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 I'll demonstrate and I'll ask nicely, can we please form a one-world government? Can we please get together and all be part of this one-world government? It'll bring about peace. And But see, that's the thing. Some people say that having a one-world government brings about peace. These Luciferian groups, and there are others that are very legitimate, I feel as if birth strikers and Extinction Rebellion... They're all part of the same mixture. The same, they're all in the same cauldron, the same witch's brew. And most of them want total destruction and chaos. They do not want peace and order. So I find it interesting that the Luciferian marchers want a one-world government. They want total destruction. They want chaos. And yet, most of the discussion about a one-world government and its incremental development is all about peace and prosperity and order and equality for all people. But you have these Luciferian groups who, I guess, they want the one-world government. They just don't want the peace and the prosperity and the order. Or the mask is coming off of the beast in the sense that this is the open acknowledgement, the revelation of the method, and the unveiling of what that one world government that never existed, that was never planned for, that still doesn't exist, but it does exist now, and it's needed to bring about peace and equality. And so many people for decades and decades and decades have been saying, this is not about peace, it's not about equality, it's about total global domination and full spectrum control. And I guess the mask is falling off, and now these groups are simply getting together and saying, we want 
a one-world government, and it's not about peace, it's not about prosperity, it's not about equality, it's about destruction of human life. It's about destruction of all things good for our father, Lucifer. Now, I think they should be using the word or the name Satan because I think Lucifer is a bit erroneous. It's a bit of a misnomer. But what do I know? I'm not anti-human. I'm not brainwashed. I'm not in a cult. I haven't been radicalized by atheistic-like propaganda. But these people aren't even atheists. Atheists at at least believe in something more philosophical. These people just want to literally watch the world burn. They think that they're preparing the way for their father, Lucifer or Satan. It just so happens to be they held the march on Father's Day. We do know who the father is of the dark side. Literally, it is Darth Vader. The dark Vater Vader, which is German for father, the dark father. It is the dark Father's Day. And the Luciferian marchers go out and march demanding, we want a one world order, but it's not about peace. It's about death. It's about destruction. It's about chaos. It's about having no life, no civilization. They want to destroy everything. And you can say, well, those, those are just a few crazy people. They're not, they're, they're not really, they don't really represent the majority They don't really represent even a minority. They're just a bunch of crazy people that are screaming about the destruction of human civilization and how we we need to destroy everything. Well, ultimately, very similar to what George Orwell said, that the ultimate goal of war was the complete destruction of human produce, of human labor, to destroy all of it, everything. And when you see statues and history around the world being toppled, torn down, demands for statues to be removed because it's negative history. And in some places, I saw that in Germany, a Lenin statue was erected. And you see the playbook of the Bolshevik Revolution, the attempted communist plot in coup in late 1920s, early 1930s Germany, you see that same playbook, you see the plays, you know the plays, you know what's going to happen. You know where the quarterback's throwing, you know where the running back's running, you know where the offensive line is blocking. It's about as good of a football analogy as I can give you, but you know the play, you know the pick and roll, you know know who's going to pass to who. And it's like you're telling your other teammates, you're telling the coach, this is what they're going to run. We need this defense. And they're like, no, that's a conspiracy theory. That's not actually happening. But the destruction of tradition and culture and all these things, it's happening right now. It's happening all around us. And now there are open calls for a one-world unified government But although it's a unified government, which is supposed to bring about some kind of order, it's a one-world government that brings about destruction and chaos. So the order is a new order. It's a new normal. It's a new world order, literally. And 
the goal of that new world order is to bring about chaos and destruction. And that new world order must be run by a central authority. And that central authority, like some corrupt Politburo, is in charge of the whole globe and the whole planet. That is your biblical prophecy being fulfilled, but not necessarily because it's supernatural or metaphysical or prophetic, but because it's self-fulfilling, it's archetypical, it's mythological, and this type of prophetic vision has been fulfilled before. In other words, the Roman Empire was a very, very similar form of global government at the time. You can use these archetypes and these stories to explain pretty much any form of history as being something that was prophetic in nature. You, you can use the Bible and apply it to anything historical, anything modern, and say this is all biblical, this is coming true. I'm not one to subscribe to that, but the toppling of history and the call to destroy human life and all the things that that entails, but to do it under a one-world order, that's literally the talking point now, and not for peace and prosperity, but for destruction, meaning that there will have to be a central authority that will then dictate that will demand, that will carry out the destruction which to the lords or to the gods of chaos, the tricksters, the pale-faced demons, chaos is order. And the chaotic order that can be created out of total destruction is your new world order. And it's run by the opposition, by the fraud by the mimicking of the anointed one, by the Christos. In other words, it's the Antichrist. A couple of months ago, back in April of this year, I believe it was April 22nd, there was a lot of talk on social media. And I mentioned it very, very briefly on the show. A few of you might remember, I think it was during the broadcast we did about the One World Hive Mind at Home. That was the name of the show, One World Hive Mind at Home. It was about this One World music event with Lady Gaga, these other celebrities, athletes. It was very strange. It had the theme of artificial intelligence and spying on you in your home through your computer while you're watching these videos and these live performances. It was very strange, very weird. And I think it was on that show, around that time, there was talk about something that happened eight years ago that I would imagine not many people remember. The only reason I remember it is because I was obsessed with it at the time. I was infatuated with it at the time. The lead up to it, the event itself, and the after event of the 2012 London Olympics. At the time... I'd only been doing radio like a year and a half, two years, kind of getting off the ground. I'm still going down the runway. And I talked about the London Olympics on, I don't know how many shows, probably dozens of shows. 
the first book I wrote called The Grand Illusion, which is no longer for sale. If you see it somewhere, it's a ripoff online. Um, I have PDFs of it, but it, it's just written, you know, it was like eight, nine years ago I wrote it, 10 years ago I wrote it, and then I published it in like 2012, end of 2012, something like that. And it was a little bit embarrassing, but there's a lot of information in that book about the Olympics. And I even have my old file on the Olympics, a huge file on the 2012 Olympics and the significance of those Olympics and what it represented and what it meant. And now those Olympics are back in the news this year because people are pointing out that those Olympics somehow signify and predict predictive programming. The coming in 2020 of this coronavirus pandemic. That's what some people are saying. There's a reason for that. And I personally don't subscribe to it. But there's something else about those 2012 Olympics that's very interesting. And it relates to not only the coronavirus pandemic, quote unquote, but it relates to George Floyd, it relates to the Luciferian protests, it relates to that one world hive mind, that one world order run by the Antichrist. I'll tell you about that when we come back from break. I'm Ryan Gable, this is The Secret Teachings, don't go anywhere, stay with us right here on The Fringe FM. This is The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page at facebook.com slash thesecretteachings or our website, thesecretteachings.info. If you're looking for something to do while you're quarantined or locked down at home, check out www.thesecretteachings.info for our entire show archive. There you'll find every single broadcast after it airs, and you can download and stream every single one of those shows with great guests and timeless subjects. Right now, it's only $35 for a one-year subscription to the archive and a free copy of one of my books with free shipping in the United States. It supports The Secret Teachings, The Fringe FM, and it supports you. You can also check out my three books independently, Occult Arcana, Food Philosophy, and The Technological Elixir. Read reviews and see the books at www.thesecretteachings.info. Whether you subscribe, purchase a book, or you simply listen to the show five nights a week, it's a great way to stay informed and to be entertained. Again, that's www.thesecretteachings.info, thesecretteachings.info, or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash thesecretteachings.info. And shoot us an email at rdgable at yahoo.com. Alex Hi, I'm Alex Exum, and you're listening to KTLK, The Fringe FM. The Secret Teachings t-shirts are now available through TeePublic and the show website at thesecretteachings.info. Whatever your color or size, check out the full selection on our website. Shirt designs include the Secret Teachings logo, our Occult Arcana shirt, 
the infamous Mothman, and of course the blue chicken avian shirts, among others like the paranormal desert shirt. Check them out on Tee Public by searching for The Secret Teachings or simply visit thesecretteachings.info and select the merchandise option at the top of the page. The truth is out there. There's something out here. And so are we. KTOK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. This is Ryan Gable of The Secret Teachings Radio Broadcast, where we expose frauds, say the uncomfortable, and discover patterns. And you're listening to KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. Understand the procedure now? Just stop a few of their machines and radios and telephones and lawnmowers. Throw them into darkness for a few hours and then sit back and watch the pattern. And this pattern is always the same? With few variations. They pick the most dangerous enemy they can find. And it's themselves. All we need to do is sit back and watch. Gentlemen, thank you so much for the great work that you guys are doing. Uh, phenomenal show, for phenomenal interview, phenomenal questions. And uh, I'd be willing to come back at any time and uh, explore other topics for discussion. So thank you for having me on today. Hi, everyone. This is Mark Passio from WhatOnEarthIsHappening.com. And you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. I'm Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings Radio on the Fringe FM five nights a week. rdgable at yahoo.com if you want to contact us. Remember back in 2012 when we had the Olympics in London? There's a lot of strange imagery. And it's become more popular over the last eight years to a decade to be involved in like conspiracy research and Illuminati research, you know, where you look at like the Super Bowl and say it's an Illuminati halftime show. That was going on eight years ago. It just wasn't as popular as it is today. So people have gone back and they've recycled some of the stuff from the past. And just in April and in May of this year, a few weeks ago, Twitter what do they say? Twitter was ablaze. Twitter was ablaze. There's a Twitter storm, a tweet storm. I don't know what they call it. I don't use the thing. I'm banned from it. But there was a Twitter thing going on about how the London Olympics predicted the coronavirus pandemic. And I mentioned it on one show just in passing, only because the London Olympics was really the first major event that I analyzed in an occult fashion. 
And I wrote about it in my first book, which is no longer published, but I do have PDFs of it. It's called The Grand Illusion. If you see it online somewhere, it's on Amazon. It's uh, someone trying to make money. It's not like $1,000. It's like 10 bucks for the PDF, but it's massive. I wrote a couple of books like that initially. And I analyzed the London Olympics and its significance to biblical prophecy, its significance to occult symbolism, its significance to mythology in general, archetypes and things like that. And one of the first things that I noticed about the Olympics back in 2012 was that the the opening ceremony was on July 27th. So the opening ceremony is on July 27th, and a few days before that, you remember what happened? Remember what happened in Aurora, Colorado? You had the shooting of 12 people in a movie theater. And you had all the strange coincidences with previews for Gangster Squad, where you had four gangsters come in the theater and kill everybody. You had reportedly... At some theaters, including the Aurora Theater, I I never saw confirmation of this, but I did see the preview. I think it was a James Bond preview. And there was a sign or something in the preview that was lit up like neon. While James Bond was looking out over the city, it said like Aurora. I'm, I'm pretty sure that was also aired before the Batman movie began. And then, of course, you had the cover of a Lil Wayne CD, which you had dead people in a movie theater. All this stuff came together very strangely. This was mid-July 2012. And this was just like just a few days, like a week. And a couple of days before the opening ceremony of the London Olympics. Now, it might seem like, well, what does Colorado and London have to do with each other. Well, this is the way when you lift up the skirt of nature, if you will, you get to see what's underneath. And it's really fascinating because if you peer into the computer, you see how all the components come together and how it creates this device that allows you to do all of these different things. It allows you to compute. Well, James Holmes... James Holmes, think of the name, Holmes, Holmes, Holmes. The woman, and I'm doing this all from, mem- from memory, so I, 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 think I, uh, I think I've got it all still locked away in there. I'm going to bring it to the forefront now. The lady that lit the torch at those Olympic Games was named Kelly Holmes. And they light the torch... The significance of the seven torch bearers, the seven lights of creation. So you have James Holmes in this bloody massacre, and then you have the opening ceremony to the London 2012 Olympics just a few days later. You have all these strange and weird things that were built in to the 2012 Olympics. For example, you had the logo. And the logo said 2012, but it looked like it said Scion or Zion, which out out of the word vision, 
V-I-S-I-O-N, vision to see Sion, Zion, like the last human city in the matrix, Zion. That's what it looked like. The logo said Zion. And of course, the little characters they had for the 2012 Olympics were these two rainbow characters that had one eye, kind of like Mike Wazowski for Monsters, Inc. They had one eye. So vision to see, and then Zion, it was like an all-seeing eye, but that doesn't mean it's the Illuminati, but it was just interesting. Because London, Great Britain as a whole, which used to be part of the Roman Empire, is supposed to be the site or the area of the New Jerusalem. And there was a great reference to this in a number of uh, various things, including a poem by William Blake where he talked about building a new Jerusalem in England's green and pleasant land. That's a quote from the poem. Till we have built Jerusalem in England's green and pleasant land. So you've got the reference to Zion, got the reference to a new Jerusalem, You have all of these symbolic things about the 2012 Olympics. For for example, this is an interesting one. The Olympic Stadium was situated between Leighton and Leytonstone Road, which is part of East London. Leytonstone is also an ancient pathway dating back to pre-Roman times and comes from the original name Leighton at Stone the name being derived from a large stone that used to be situated in that location. So one of the roads, part of the the stadium, was named after an old Roman road that dealt with a kind of a sacred stone. Now the only way to travel through the area of Leightonstone is on a road called High Road Leightonstone, which runs the length of Leightonstone to Stratford near the Olympic Stadium. And so I looked at some of these... um, some of these uh, locations and some of the other roads that were going in and out of the stadium, and they were all biblical in in nature. They referenced Templars. They referenced biblical elements. It was just all really strange and fascinating at the same time. And then, of course, you have the opening ceremony of the Olympics. Now, this is what people today in 2020 are talking about. They're talking about how the opening ceremony was predictive programming and that there are eerie similarities between the 2012 Olympics opening ceremony and the coronavirus pandemic. Now, I don't believe that's the case at all. At all. I don't believe that. I don't support that. I don't even give it more than a few seconds of thought. The reason that I bring it up is because of One of the images that it's circulating the internet, I guess it's still circulating. I can't really find it. I had to, I had an image saved. I can send you the article if you want. There's not really anything to it. It's just some pictures that people have gone back and they've analyzed, you know, the the forensic social media experts, they've analyzed the Olympics. They found all these things, which is, you know, that's what I mean. That's what I do too. I analyze things, but now it's, it's like a joke today. But there's one image in particular of the stadium. And if I remember correctly, there were 13 pyramids with lights around the stadium. And in the middle of one of these um, 
one of these uh, one of these photographs in the middle of the stadium, you can see what looks like it looks like some ball of water or like a ball of plasma or something. And the way that the stadium is cut, the way that the the, the roofing is cut, you can see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. It looks like thirteen, maybe there might be fourteen there, but there are like thirteen spikes. Maybe fewer than that. It's kind of hard to tell. But there are a number of spikes, like at least 10, maybe 13 spikes around this central circle of what looks like a ball of plasma or something. And it is interesting. I'll, 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 give, the, I'll give the people who notice this some credit because it is interesting that this image looks very similar to what we're told a coronavirus looks like. Corona meaning crown. And because of these spikes on at the crown, this is what was seen at the 2012 Olympics in London. So they're saying that predicted uh, the, uh, the pandemic. Now, again, I don't buy that. I just think it's interesting. This one image in particular is, is very interesting. So if you go beyond that, once that Twitter firestorm, whatever they call it, kind of died down, there was a report from Reuters. Reuters actually picked this up, which was kind of surprising to me. But Reuters picked this up. And they were talking about how, I guess this was spread on Facebook too. They say it's a false claim. London Olympic Games ceremony symbolically predicted the COVID-19 pandemic. A Facebook post falsely claims that the opening ceremony of the London 2012 Olympic Games contained a symbolic ritual predicting the coronavirus pandemic and it goes on to explain what the so-called i guess conspiracy theory is all about and if you don't remember watching the opening ceremony it was very very strange you had what is otherwise simply justified as part of like the culture of the united kingdom looked a little bit different than what they said it was, but here's what here's what you saw. You saw nurses and look like nurses and doctors all gathered around in the center of the stadium, and there were these beds with children in the beds, and over top of everything, this huge monstrous creature, this pale faced demon. This Antichrist appears, this long black cloak, and I'm, I'm not talking about a person, I'm talking about this was like a big contraption that was held up in the stadium, and appears in the center of all this. So you've got like nurses, you've got doctors, you've got kids in beds, and then here comes this Antichrist Joker-like character. Now, they say... And, and I agree, by the way, I agree. They say that this Grim Reaper-like figure... This representation of death was actually just Lord Voldemort because of J.K. Rowling's um, being from from uh, from the U.K. And they're trying to honor people from from their country. Right. And they, they talk about the the uh, the National Health Service and how this was honoring the National Health Service. It was honoring J.K. Rowling. It was honoring William Blake. It was honoring a bunch of people who were born in the UK. 
And they even mention in the Reuters article the William Blake poem and the Olympic website where it explains that the sequence that was performed, this opening, which it was a ritual regardless of, of, of what kind of ritual, what was the intention, it, it is a ritual just neutrally speaking. The Olympic website explained that the sequence actually represents the green and pleasant land. I don't know about Voldemort hanging around a green and pleasant land. A green and pleasant land mythologized by romantic poet William Blake in his poem Jerusalem, where, remember, I mentioned he talks about, I read it a second ago, he talks about how they're going to rebuild Jerusalem. They're going to rebuild in London. That's the new Jerusalem. That's the new Zion. It's in the poem. I think that's, what, 18th century, something like that. So Reuters ultimately concludes that the Olympic ceremony was a celebration of British history and culture with no link to the coronavirus pandemic. Now, I agree with that. I'm not trying to agree with mainstream news I'm just simply saying I agree with that. However, this is the problem. You don't trust Reuters, so you believe whatever is on social media. Other people, they don't trust what's on social media. They want a more credible source of information, so they turn, turn to Reuters. Hmm, did the 2012 Olympics really predict the coronavirus? Let me turn to Reuters. What does Reuters have to say? They, they rated it false. I guess it just doesn't. Because nobody's thinking for themselves, are they? If you were thinking for yourself, you'd be able to look at this and say, okay, I guess it represents the National Health Service. I guess it represents Lord Voldemort. I guess it represents William Blake. I guess it represents people from British history. I guess that's, that's all accurate. But see, ritual and symbolism always has more than one meaning. And it can always be derived yet another meaning and another meaning and another meaning. So in a way, regardless of what it predicts, what kind of programming it is, it is predictive in a sense. What it predicts is up for debate. If it predicts anything of significance or not. We're just playing around with neutral terms here. The other thing about this, if you remember, you have the beds, the NHS, you have all the kids in the beds, and you have the health uh, services there. Then you have this giant baby that's, that's rolled out. It's giant, more of like a baby head, but it's like a giant baby. All right, so let me let me explain what I personally at the time what what I thought this was all about. When you have sex, I'm sure everybody knows this, when you have sex, you have an orgasm, it's a pretty powerful explosion of energy, right? And an orgasm, some call it, it's been considered for probably the as long as man has known how to consciously think, it's the spark of life. Now, alchemists through the ages have used artificial sparks. They've used explosions. They've used fire. They've used things like, like uh, you know, chemical reactions to create explosions, to spark life, to create a homunculus, to create something artificial. I mean, when you watch or you read Frankenstein, you learn that Frankenstein, the the doctor, because it's really Frankenstein's monster, that the doctor uses 
some form of electricity, lightning, to animate the body, to animate the monster. There has to be some form of, of electrical current, some form of spark to ignite the fire. So rituals, just like when somebody dies, if somebody dies somewhere, people that are perceptible to these kinds of things, to energy, doesn't have to be a negative thing, but you can tell, you know, you go into a house or you go into somewhere like a hospital, you can feel something's just not right. It could be the energy of how other people who are very alive, how they feel, they're anxious, they're worried, they're stressed, they're depressed, they're fearful, they're in a hospital, or you're picking up on the energy of someone who, who passed away, maybe even more so someone who was murdered. So you can feel that energy. So traditionally, usually when you think about going out into the woods or you think about going out into like a pasture or a field and performing some ritual, it's like the Black Sabbath, it's witches and they're levitating and they're rubbing the witches' goo on their vagina with the brooms and all that stuff, you know. Uh, if you want to learn about that, Kurt Seligman's... Uh, the mirror of magic is a real, he's got a good section on witchcraft in there. I also have it in my book, Occult Arcana, about the witch's salve and the history of witchcraft. So you think about that, it's like they perform these rituals over and over and over again, and the energy is so dense that it, it, it creates like an impression on that location. That's why people use graveyards, they use forest groves and things like this, because whether it's negative or positive, however you want to perceive it, these places are powerful. And the forest, it's believed that if it's a blood ritual, the blood is activated by the oxygen that is produced by the trees. So that's why forests are always a, uh, a location where certain rituals are performed. But also for a lot of cultures, Greek, Roman, modern culture even, forests are, are they have another meaning. It's the domain of the, the fairies. It's the domain of the, the goddess, the goddess of hunting, the goddess of wisdom, whether it's you know, the various goddesses that are really interchangeable. A, a Princess Diana. Well, she's not really a goddess, but she's named after a goddess. You have Diana, goddess of hunting. You have Athena. You have Aphrodite. You have Isis. The list goes on and on and on. So that's a powerful place to perform a ritual. And it doesn't have to be a bad thing. Just it's a ritual. It could be anything. Your ritual of getting up, brushing your teeth, going to work, drinking coffee, that's a ritual every day. You're not sacrificing a, a goat, what they call a kid. Sacrificing a kid, which means a goat. So the Olympic ceremony, to bring this thing back around, is a time when the whole world is watching. So you have all this energy focused, all this attention focused. It's like the Super Bowl. All the energy, all the money, currency, all of it is invested in this one thing. And all the sigils, the sigils of the so-called NHS workers, the National Health Service workers, the baby that was in the center of this stadium. Of course, this Voldemort-like character, the pale white face, which is essentially the Antichrist. And yeah, Voldemort represents that, but the multiple meanings and, and the duality and, and, and the triplicity of these meanings goes further than that. There are many reasons why these symbols were chosen, these symbols were used. And all the energy, all the attention, global attention paid, like money, currency, energy, into this event, fuels these sigils and brings them like a golem, like a tulpa, to life. And it's powerful, and that power resonates. So 
my idea about the baby at the time in 2012, I'm not saying I believe this or don't believe this, and I, even if I believed it, I really don't care what anybody thinks. It's just, it was just my thought process. I thought, this is really, really weird. <laughs> All right, this is very strange. This was the 30th Olympic Games, XXX, 3-0. Now, this took place on July 27th, a month before that, June 21st, the summer solstice, you had the 30th birthday of Prince William, son of goddess, princess, Lady Rose, Diana. William turned 30 years old, June 21st. month later, you have the James Holmes shooting. You have Dame Kelly Holmes, who lights the seven divine torches, the seven divine rays of light, the seven helper spirits of the one-eighth central god, if you're looking at the cube in uh, geometrical terms. William turns 30 years old. Now, we'll come back to William, but he was a significant part of this. Three months after the London Olympics, sometime in October, which is, of course, our Samhain, or Halloween, a fertility festival. Let's do some math here. October. November, from October to November. October to November, that's one. So then we go November, December, January, February, March, April, May, June, and July. Right? So 12 minus 3, nine months. Nine months for a baby to form and to grow. October in that month would have been the time period, that fertility ritual of conception for Prince William's son, little baby George, who was then born in July of the next year. Now again, that doesn't necessarily have to mean anything. I'm just showing you the significance of the ritual, significance of the dates, and the significance of people like Prince William and Lady Diana. And when we come back from break, I'm going to get a little bit more into that and explain who Diana really is, archetypically, and how that factors in, surprisingly or not, to George Floyd's death and what's been done to George Floyd as now an archetypical character. You know, I explained last week on the show Breath of the Black God what George Floyd really typified. Also, his relationship to John F. Kennedy. And then we can relate John F. Kennedy's death and George Floyd's death and the ritual involved to the death of Lady Diana and the birth and the continuation of that bloodline of Prince William and what this all represents in the representation of that large, death-like, white-faced character, the Antichrist, at the 2012 London Olympics. I'm excited to break the rest of this down for you tonight on The Secret Teachings. Don't go anywhere. Stay with us right here on The Fringe FM. Check out our books and subscriptions. It supports the show, you, and the network at www.thesecretteachings.info. Don't go anywhere. More after break.
You are listening to The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings, or visit the website at www.thesecretteachings.info. If you're looking for something to do while you're quarantined or locked down at home, check out www.thesecretteachings.info for our entire show archive. There you'll find every single broadcast after it airs, and you can download and stream every single one of those shows with great guests and timeless subjects. Right now, it's only $35 for a one-year subscription to the archive and a free copy of one of my books with free shipping in the United States. It supports The Secret Teachings, The Fringe FM, and it supports you. You can also check out my three books independently, Occult Arcana, Food Philosophy, and The Technological Elixir. Read reviews and see the books at www.thesecretteachings.info. Whether you subscribe, purchase a book, or you simply listen to the show five nights a week, it's a great way to stay informed and to be entertained. Again, that's www.thesecretteachings.info thesecretteachings.info or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash thesecretteachings and shoot us an email at rdgable at yahoo.com This is Dave Cruz host of Beyond the Strange and you're listening to The Fringe FM The Secret Teachings t-shirts are now available through TeePublic and the show website at thesecretteachings.info. Whatever your color or size, check out the full selection on our website. Shirt designs include the Secret Teachings logo, our Occult Arcana shirt, the infamous Mothman, and of course the Blue Chicken Avian shirts, among others like the Paranormal Desert shirt. Check them out on TeePublic by searching for The Secret Teachings or simply visit thesecretteachings.info and select the merchandise option at the top of the page. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, mythology to alchemy, check out Ryan Gable's book, Occult Arcana, with hundreds of beautiful images. If you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic packs made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir, black goo, transhumanism, and invoking AI. And if you want a practical look at food, lifestyle, and ingredients, even those in your pet food, with free solutions to better health, check out Food Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and order yours today. It supports The Secret Teachings, you, and The Fringe FM. We've heard your feedback loud and clear. You called it out, and now we're answering. All new live programming, five nights a week. Always remember, The Fringe FM is for you, the listener. And we appreciate your feedback. Keep the feedback coming. You can email us at talkback at thefringe.fm Call the station at 501-777-5631 or send us a message on Facebook at The Fringe FM. This is Ryan Gable of the Secret Teachings Radio Broadcast, where we expose frauds, say the uncomfortable, and discover patterns. 
and you're listening to KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. Join me on a journey where getting lost is the only true destination. Where the past, present, and future all coexist on the same timeline. A reminder that the future is not some distant glimmer, but a bright light shining in your eyes. This is the future we are in right now. Where our phones are the first things that we touch when we wake up, the last thing we touch before falling asleep. Radiant, seductive screens we so lovingly, endlessly gaze upon. Much like you're doing right now. Welcome to a future where our true re reflection is only revealed once the screen goes dark. Welcome. Welcome to the darkness. I hope you find it enlightening. Yeah, you're a proper pro. And I just want to thank you, Ryan, for having me on. I've heard a few of your shows and you go deep, brother. You go deeper than a deep sea diver in a shipwreck. So uh, been great to be a part of your show. You've got a tremendous amount of knowledge yourself. You've clearly put in the hours of research and I commend you for that. So I'm very happy to have been a part of your show today. Thanks again for the invitation. This is Mark Devlin, author of Musical Truth, Volumes 1 and 2 musicaltruthbook.com online and you're listening to the secret teachings with ryan gable i'm clyde lewis from ground zero radio and you're listening to the secret teachings with ryan gable I'm Ryan Gable, your host, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings radio broadcast right here on The Fringe FM. Back in April of this year, into May, social media, in some respect, was ablaze with claims that the 2012 London Olympics was some kind of predictive programming conspiracy alerting the public to what would happen in 2020. Now, they never give any explanation of a dating system, like, hey, in eight years, what we're showing you here is going to happen. They never provided any other information, just that there were some weird images of things within the stadium that kind of looked like a coronavirus, as we're told it looks like. And there were, of course... NHS workers, National Health Service workers that were represented by people in white gowns, nurses. I'm not sure if any of them actually worked for the NHS, but they were there in the stadium next to people in beds, kids in beds. And over top of them was this giant death-like character, which supposedly was Lord Voldemort. And uh, I say supposedly, I, I mean, it was Lord Voldemort, but what does Lord Voldemort represent? They're like, it doesn't represent death. It doesn't represent the Antichrist. It doesn't represent the trickster or the Joker or the Lord of Chaos. It just represents Voldemort. 
All right, moron, what do you think Voldemort represents? <laughs> He's all of those things. He's the archetype of the Antichrist. He's the antithesis of the Christ. He's the, 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 the negative personification. I mean, he car- didn't he carry around like a, like a snake or something in the movie? I mean, what do you think Voldemort represents? <laughs> this whole story of Harry Potter is biblical. I mean, the story of Superman is biblical. It's all the same story. It's all the same character, the same archetypes, the same myth. So you had death, you had the NHS, you had this giant baby, but it's all in London. And all the roads into the stadium were biblical roads. They referenced the Templars, which, of course, supposedly protected the Holy Grail or the Sangrail, the Holy Blood, which, of course, many people believe, as I myself, if I had to choose a belief, believe is not some kind of cup filled with wine, but it's more of a womb filled with blood, chromosomes and cells and things like that. I I believe that it's a bloodline. The story is that after crucifixion of Jesus, Mary went to southern France, and an extension of that story is that Jesus likewise went with her, that he did not die on the cross, and they had children and the bloodline continues today oh you just saw the da vinci code yeah i did see the da vinci code i don't particularly like tom hanks i thought that that little french girl was cute the sophia character if i ever have a daughter i i like that name i want to name my daughter sophia because it's the goddess of wisdom uh i watched that movie didn't i don't i just i don't care i didn't like it i read the book a long long time ago i didn't like it really that much i mean it was interesting but if I want to read about that, I want to read like Holy Blood, Holy Grail. You know, I want to read something by like, you know, more of more of a, a nonfiction researcher. I'm not really interested in the in the fictional account, but there were a lot of things in that movie and in that book that were that were interesting, that were in some respect true, or at least as true as anything else. Obviously, people will say, "Well, Jesus didn't have children." Okay, I would recommend that you read up about the Talpiot tomb found in Jerusalem in the 80s. Very fascinating. The Talpiot tomb where they found ossuaries of basically all the the Jesus biblical characters with the name names inscribed. And We talked to Scott Walter about that years ago. He talked about it in one of his books about the hooked X because they found the hooked X in that ossuary in the 80s. And there was a story in the news about it within the last 10 years maybe, something like that. It's in one of my books. Uh, the Talpiot tomb. Fascinating, because the hooked X is, of course, the triangle up, the triangle down, which is the X, the fire and water. When you merge them, you get the Star of David, the Star of Saturn, the four elements. But within that X is another line, creating basically a V in a V, or a womb within a womb, a daughter within a womb, a child within a womb. Many people believe that the name of that child in the womb was Sarah, who had red hair, as depicted on some stained glass windows in churches. I think there's one in Calgary or there's one in Canada where they have this young girl with the red curly hair, which is how Jesus was actually described, this very short guy with a crooked nose, very, very Jewish. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the, some, of the, some of the original depictions of Jesus were that he was, he was like hunchback. I'm not talking about like Quasimodo stuff here. I'm talking about he's just like kind of hunchback, you know, jagged nose, classic... Uh, curly Jewish hair, but it was red. And then depictions of the the, the little girl or a little girl with curly red hair. So 
whether or not you believe that, I don't really care. It's not my prerogative. It's not my, it's not my agenda tonight to, to convince you one way or another. I'm just presenting the information. But it's interesting because if that's the case, I got off on this, this sidetrack. Let me bring this detour back around because we were talking about roads that go into the Olympic Stadium in, in 20, uh, 2012 in London. And they were referencing the Templars, which supposedly protected this this bloodline. The other roads represented, you know, the biblical things. It was all very, very theological. It was very, very biblical. It was very, very prophesizing. And there in London, you had this giant ritual performed. I speculated that it might have something to do with the royal family and with with the with the later birth of baby George, son of Prince William, having his birthday essentially a year after the opening ceremony of the Olympics, meaning that he was conceived during the fertility festival in October, Samhain, and his birthday. If I remember this correctly, I have to double check real quick, but I'm pretty sure his birthday, I know it's it's like the same week a year later on the Olympic ceremony, but it's if I type in baby George, I think it's the 23rd of uh 22nd or 23rd of July. Yep, July 22nd, 2013. And uh Father Prince William Duke of Cambridge. So 22 July 2013 at St. Mary's Hospital, Mary, Mary Magdalene. But that number is significant because the 22nd to the 23rd of July, where the 21st of June is the summer solstice, where Prince William's birth was induced so he'd be born on that day. The story's like, well, Prince Charles wanted to, he wanted to play polo, and you know, so they had to induce the birth. So, he, yeah, they induced it so he could play polo. They induced it because it was a, and it is a very significant Holy day. It's the time when the sun is the high the high point in the sky, doing the work of the Father in the temple in the kingdom above. So his birth's induced, but his son is born a month after that on the helical rising of Sirius the dog star, which I just looked, and the opening ceremony of the Olympics in Japan, in Tokyo, is also going to be on that exact date. For the Summer Olympics, it's going to be on the 23rd of July, last time I checked, 23rd of July, which is the Halalical Rising of Sirius, the Dog Star, going back to Egypt. So Egypt figures prominently into this whole discussion. Let me explain why it figures prominently into the discussion, because Prince William, he's known, people know who Prince William is, they look at these weird, you know, the hot sheets at the grocery store lines, the tabloids. They know Prince William. They know they know Harry. They know Kate. They know all the royals. They're so wonderful. They're so lovely. They're so inbred and disgusting and a lot of other things. Maybe if you're younger like me, you don't remember Princess Diana. I mean, granted, I don't think I could... I could give you information on Princess Diana, like some people who were well aware of her her life and her death, because I was six years old when she died. I didn't I didn't know anything. I remember people talking about, oh, the princess died, the princess died. No one ever said the princess was murdered. 
You know, I didn't hear that until years later, like, hey, the princess was murdered. In fact, I took a, well, I, well, I took it and then I became one of the teachers. I was doing a real estate class in Florida and I remember this girl, she was from Paris and I don't, you know, you know me for, from 11 years of radio. I just say things, you know, and it just kind of comes out like Tourette's. I've got what I have conspiracy Tourette's <laughs> is what it is. So I was explaining like real estate stuff and there was a section in the book on the Federal Reserve and I'm like, how can I make this more interesting? So I explained how the Fed worked. It was supposed to be like a 10 second section. It ended up being like an hour. And somehow we got in, I don't know how I got from the Federal Reserve <laughs> <laughs> to Princess Diana, but I made the jump. And this, and everybody in class, for the most part, you know, it's like 30, 40% of people don't really care. You know, they're high or they're asleep or they're, you know, whatever. And then there's like maybe, you know, another 40, 50% that are really upset that I'm mentioning it because, how dare you? That's, that's Princess Diana. How could you say that about her? She wasn't murdered. She died in an accident. It was the paparazzi. And there's like a few people who are really interested. So anyway, we get into this discussion of this girl from Paris. She, I remember she stood up in class and she said, how many of you have been to Paris? How many of you took schooling in Paris? And nobody else had been. Most of the people were from like South America. And she's like, exactly. So you don't know what you're talking about. And she's defending me. She's defending me. I remember this. And, and she was more adamant about it than I was. And she said, when I was in school, when I went to school, she was like late 20s at the time, so she was, she's probably like 40 years old now because this was a long time ago. Uh, I remember she said, like, when I went to school, my teacher taught me that Lady Diana was murdered by British intelligence and by the Queen. And, like, the whole room just shut up, and I was like, yeah, give it to him because <laughs> that's what I always thought, you know? Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but it's pretty clear from the evidence. People even... People today that don't know much about that think, yeah, she's murdered. But we're at that point now where it's like, yeah, 9-11 was an inside job, you know, the hashtag. But what does it really matter at this point, right? It's like, yeah, JFK, they blew his brains out. But what does it really matter at this point, right? It's like, yeah, you know, we were lied to about a lot of stuff during World War II and the industries that we support today were big supporters of Hitler you know, GM and Ford and IBM and whatnot. But it's like, that was in the past, man. Just leave it in the past. You know, I, I got I got to buy a computer and a new car. I don't want to think about where that where that money's going to support a company that supported Hitler and all that stuff, right? It's kind of the same thing with Diane. It's like, yeah, you know, that was 23 years ago. It's like, yeah, she she was murdered. But why do we care about that today, man? Why does it matter? Well, why is Diana the name. Well, her, her brother said, if I remember correctly, at her funeral that she was named after the goddess of hunting. So it wasn't like, you know, you have this Voldemort figure at the Olympic ceremony in 2012 and, and people say, that's death, that's the Antichrist, that's, well, I said it was the Antichrist. I don't know how many other people said that, but people said it's, it's death, it's the Grim Reaper, which it is, all those things. And then the Olympic committee's like, no, it's Lord Voldemort because J.K. Rowling's from here and Sure, but there's multiple meanings, and also Lord Voldemort is all those things. He, he is death, he is the trickster, he is the joker, he is the antichrist, right? Just like Harry Potter is kind of the Jesus figure. And funny enough, Prince William has a scar on his head that he refers to as his Harry Potter scar. He got whacked with like a club or something at one point. 
So he has like a Harry Potter scar. So that's that's another little interesting piece of information, I think. I did not know that. I heard that on my friend and colleague's show, Clyde Lewis Ground Zero, on like Thursday night last week. I didn't know that about William, but it's interesting because we're talking a little bit about Harry Potter. So Diana was named after the goddess of hunting. It wasn't like, well, the, her name, well, we just picked Diana, you know? And then all oh, this other stuff happened, and oh, that's just coincidence. No, she was named after the goddess of hunting. So let's see why this is significant. She was buried on a man-made island in the center of a lake, which I believe is called Oval, if I remember that correctly. Now, the Oval itself, just like the Oval Park in Washington, D.C., on December 21st, I remember I interviewed uh, Janet Walter, the wife of Scott Walter, and Janet had written a book by Alan Butler. I interviewed Alan Butler, too. And both of them were talking about how they went, I think Scott went with them, they went to Washington and they did this analysis of all this stuff in, in Washington. And they they were the people that brought to my attention the Grange Society. It's a really fascinating society. It's farmers, but it's very, very similar to the Masons. And it primarily focuses on uh, various goddesses within their rites. So the Oval Park in Washington on December 21st, the tip of the obelisk, the Washington Monument, the phallus, penetrates the oval. So what do you have there? You have semen, sperm penetrating the egg. You have penis penetrating the vagina. It's vulgar. No, it's biology. So you have the Oval Park. The oval represents the womb, of course. So does the the diamond. So you see Lady Gaga doing that a lot. The baseball diamond. Baseball was founded by people who had this same ideology. I remember that's also something I learned from Janet Walter. The guy was like, the guy was a mason. They incorporated these elements into baseball, the baseball diamond, the womb, the oval. So Diana is buried on this man-made island. It's uh, an oval lake, and then in the middle of the island is the, or the middle of the lake is an island. And where she's buried, if you look down on the the lake with this man-made island, it's a monad. So it's a circle with a dot in the middle. It's a monad. Represents the sun, gold, things like that. Mythologically speaking, the goddess was always buried in nature. Pretty clear why that is. So she's buried in a grove of trees in nature on a private island, man-made in the middle of an oval lake. See the significance of this. This isn't by mistake. They didn't like just, oh, let's just bury her over there. Let's, let's bury her in those trees over there. Now, there's a reason for this. And of course, with the Arthenian legend, King Arthur, Merlin, and four words. Begins with lady, ends with lake. Lady of the lake. They literally made Diana the lady of the lake. Now, this gets fascinating really, really quick. When Diana died, they named a perfume Isis. So there was no beating around the bush. They just named a perfume Isis. I think the the caption for the perfume was like, made for a goddess now available for you. And I don't know if it's still there, but in Harrods Department Store, 
there was a memorial. There, it was there in 2012. I imagine it's still there. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it got taken down. But there was a memorial in the department store, and it had all Egyptian iconography. And it was Diana and Dottie, pictures of them, and they were looped together in a visicopisis, which obviously represents female genitalia. Now, on the left and right side of the visicopisis with these, these two pictures are pillars, candles. The goddess, the priestess, always resides in the middle of the two pillars. She is the high priestess on the tarot card. You see this used over and over again at Super Bowl halftime shows. You see this used over and over again in music videos, etc. Because of the power and the significance, it's between the two pillars is balance, but it's also underneath of the X, X marks the spot, underneath of the cross is the secret. And the goddess usually holds the secret near her genitals, and under the X marks the spot. There's the spot. You understand the fertility you understand the, the sexuality of this, like the Oval Park and the obelisk penetrating the Oval Park. It's all fertility. And it relates to the cycles of nature and crops and things like that. Now, in the middle, between the two pillars and below the, the image, you see a little tiny, I imagine it's glass, maybe it was plastic, but this little tiny pyramid. And inside the pyramid was the cup that Diana supposedly took her last drink from before she was killed or murdered. And it supposedly has, I keep saying supposedly because I don't know, I haven't been there, but it supposedly has her lipstick on it still. This isn't a conspiracy. You can look these images up. This was a real memorial. Like I imagine it's probably still there to some extent. I'm not sure. But the cup with the lipstick on it, so that was, you know, that's the Holy Grail. The Isis perfume, the Egyptian memorial, but it gets better because outside of the tunnel where she was killed, where the car struck the 13th pillar, is a flaming torch, not unlike the one placed on her oval island, that man-made island with all the trees in the grove. There was one placed there. There's one placed in Washington, D.C., on Kennedy's grave, and there's one placed on top of the 14-piece obelisk at Daly Plaza where Kennedy was assassinated. Kennedy was killed. We'll come back to that in a split second as well. So the flaming torch was placed on a black pentagram, which is the apple for fruit and, of course, Venus. Interchangeably, Venus can be switched out for something of equal or greater value, such as Aphrodite, such as Athena, such as Semiramis, such as Isis. Now, if you go to the south side of Hyde Park in London, never been to London, but the south side of Hyde Park in London is where this statue is supposed to be located. There's a statue dedicated to Isis, but it's really dedicated to Diana. Dedicated to Diana, but it is a depiction of Isis. Isis was depicted as a swan. And in mythology, two swans signify a goose. I don't know why that is. Every mythology book and symbol book I have says the same thing. Two swans represent a goose. Either way, the swan is a symbol of Isis. It's a symbol of the goddess. 
The goose is only significant because the goose was ridden by Aphrodite. And of course, you have the female character of the Holy Ghost, which is represented by the dove. You have Athena with her owl, goddess of wisdom. Whether it's the owl, the dove, the swan, the goose, any bird, Isis has the big wings. It's all a representation, an extension, a branch of the flawless goddess, of the divine feminine, of the holy blood. Now, if that holy blood is truly retained within these families, then that holy blood would give power to the current ruling family when the queen dies or steps down or whatever happened when she goes back to whatever planet she's from, Charles becomes king or perhaps William becomes king. But if Charles was Charles becomes king, it's a bigger significance with Charles. Here we get into a subject that's very speculative, but it's also very, 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 very not just interesting, but profound because of the relationship between the red dragon, the various crests, various families that are royal and have the supposed royal blood, the creation of the New Jerusalem in London, part of Britain, the formation of the new Roman Empire, and all these things coming together to herald in the Antichrist. Now, Diana, when she was killed, she was killed in that tunnel. The tunnel she was killed in, the Pont d'Alma Tunnel, literally translates to the Bridge of Souls. Bridge of Souls. There are other interpretations, Bridge of the Moon, but Bridge of Souls. And it was believed that anyone killed there, their soul immediately transcended beyond the physical realm. It was an old Merovinian sacrificial site where Diana was murdered. And it just so happens to be it was a sacrificial site to the goddess of hunting, to the goddess of childbirth, to the flawless, interchangeable goddess. What are the chances of that? You know, what are the chances really of that? Think about it for a second. So you have Isis. Now in Egypt, Isis had a companion. Her companion was Osiris. Last week I talked about Osiris's significance because Osiris, the green god of agriculture, also oversaw the underworld in the process of judgment in the in the uh, series of events that led up to your either being devoured by a beast or your transcendence and, and rebirth, your resurrection, your reincarnation. And when Osiris oversaw this process in the underworld where Horus brought his eye from the battle of, with Set, darkness and light, to Osiris, the eye of Horus, the eye of Ra. So Osiris could see Osiris was known as the black god. Now George Floyd was made to be, even though this guy was a counterfeiter, possibly involved in human trafficking, drug addict, was in pornography, and knew the cop who killed him. They worked together for a really long time. Even though George Floyd was not a really great character or guy, doesn't mean 
because he's black. It's just because he was a piece of garbage based on all the information. I've never read anything like George Floyd opened up like a charity and helped a bunch of poor people. It was like George Floyd was on fentanyl. George Floyd was involved in an armed robbery. George Floyd was a counterfeiter. George Floyd was involved in trafficking human beings. George Floyd was in pornography. This guy wasn't good, okay? So all the racists who want to make it about race, take it somewhere else. So they've made this guy who really wasn't a great guy into like this hero, into this god. And then when they put him in the coffin, you know what the coffin was? It was a golden coffin. They turned George Floyd, really the human personification of Set or Seth or Typhon, they put him in a gold coffin as the black god. Osiris, the black god, was also placed in a golden coffin and then placed on the river of life the Nile River. And then he was raised in the Syrian temple and then cut down as a pillar and resurrected. And then Set, Typhon, Set, Seth, his brother came and chopped him into 14 pieces, scattered them about the earth. It's kind of what, uh, what happened to Kennedy. They took parts of the body, different medical exams all over the country. And then the obelisk with that flaming torch like the one on the Diana Memorial, that flaming torch on top of the obelisk, sets on top of 14 blocks at Daily Plaza. Go count them yourself. 14 blocks. 14-piece obelisk. The 14th piece represents the penis, which was regenerated by Isis in the mythology. George Floyd's death, the black god in the gold coffin, very, very significant because of its relationship to something like, well, John F. Kennedy's death. You know that Jackie Kennedy took a little trip after the death of her husband, she went to the Greek island of Delos, which is the mythological birthplace of the goddess Artemis or Diana. We're going to weave all this together after our final break here. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Don't go anywhere. Stay with us. Secret Teachings with your host, Ryan Gable. To contact Ryan, email rdgable at yahoo.com. If you're looking for something to do while you're quarantined or locked down at home, check out www.thesecretteachings.info for our entire show archive. There you'll find every single broadcast after it airs, and you can download and stream every single one of those shows with great guests and timeless subjects. Right now, it's only $35 for a one-year subscription to the archive and a free copy of one of my books with free shipping in the United States. It supports The Secret Teachings, The Fringe FM, and it supports you. You can also check out my three books independently, Occult Arcana, Food Philosophy, and The Technological Elixir. Read reviews and see the books at www.thesecretteachings.info. Whether you subscribe, purchase a book, or you simply listen to the show five nights a week, it's a great way to stay informed and to be entertained. Again, that's www.thesecretteachings.info, thesecretteachings.info, or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash thesecretteachings and shoot us an email at rdgable at yahoo.com.
Hi, Jeremy Scott here from Into the Power of Normal, and I'm back live Saturdays at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on The Fringe FM. This is Reverend John M. Polk from johnpolkmedia.com, and you are listening to KTLK, The Fringe FM. We've heard your feedback loud and clear. You called it out, and now we're answering. All new live programming, five nights a week. Always remember, The Fringe FM is for you, the listener, and we appreciate your feedback. Keep the feedback coming. You can email us at talkback at thefringe.fm, call the station at 501-777-5631, or send us a message on Facebook at The Fringe FM. This is Kev Baker of The Kev Baker Show. You can find me at Truth Frequency Radio or on my home website, www.kevbakershow.com. And you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Hello, this is Mark Booth, author of The Secret History of the World and The Sacred History. And you've been listening to The Secret Teachings. I'm Ryan Gable, your host, and this is the Secret Teachings radio broadcast right here on the Fringe FM. You know, last week we talked a little bit about George Floyd, who was not a very savory character with the counterfeiting and the pornography and the possible human trafficking and the drugs and the armed robbery and, you know, all that stuff, and how he was turned into a martyr. I don't think there's any doubt, I don't think there's any argument that Floyd, regardless of what you think of him, was turned into this, like, cultural, racial hero. He was elevated to the status of God. A God, in a sense. Which makes him, because it's all focused on race and color of your skin rather than the content of your character, means it's just uh, pretty simple to surmise that George Floyd became a black God. And then, as a black god, he was placed into, you can look this up, if you didn't watch the funeral, a golden coffin. Now, in Egypt, Osiris and Isis, the brother and the sister, the husband and the wife, the father and the mother, the premier couple, Osiris was the green god of agriculture, but when he oversaw the judgment in the underworld... He was a black god. And Osiris, as a black god, was also placed in a beautiful golden coffin by his brother Set. Now, the metaphor is that the soul, the purity, the regenerative properties of Osiris placed into the physical body, the soul placed into the physical body, the coffin, and set on the Nile River, the river of life, and eventually it was raised up physically. The coffin was raised in the Syrian king's temple. And then it was cut down, and what happened was Osiris was brought back to life by his wife, but his brother was very angry, this dual personification. So he came and cut his brother into 14 pieces. They were scattered about the earth. 14 pieces, 13 were found, the 14th was the penis. 
when John F. Kennedy was killed roughly at high noon, you know, when his head exploded and you heard more gunshots than could be humanly fired by a single individual at an angle, like Bill Hicks said, you look out the window, you're like, "Tis no effing way unless, unless he was hanging, unless Oswald was hanging out the window. He said, he goes, he goes, and he's like this, the book depository was set up just like it was the morning of the assassination. It's really fascinating. Uh, Oswald was not in the window. <laughs> that was always, that was like my favorite Bill Hicks joke. Or for some of you, Alex Jones, right? So Kennedy was killed at Daly Plaza, and then they've erected a, an obelisk there, and the obelisk is cut into 14 pieces. Clearly, the assassination of John F. Kennedy was a ritual carried out before the fact, during the fact, and or after the fact in the likeness of Osiris. And Kennedy was a sun god-like character. His administration was referred to as Camelot. Kennedy essentially was the personification of King Arthur. Think about that for a second. He was the personification of King Arthur. Now, you know the story of Britain and King Arthur and the Lady of the Lake and Merlin and all those things. Princess Diana once commented about Prince William and about how he could be the new King Arthur to unite everything and everyone in peace. This would bring about the re-emergence of a new Rome, of a new Jerusalem like William Blake wrote about, and it would be brought about in Britain. Now, in order for this to happen, there would have to be, for this new global system to take shape, there would have to be a destruction of the current world system, the current world order. Well, coronavirus summarily cultivated the environment for that. Now, the reason that these two subjects connect together is because in the last few months, particularly in April and May, there have been discussions on social media about the 2012 London Olympics and how the 2012 London Olympics predicted the coronavirus pandemic. Now, I don't believe that, but I find an image or two interesting the image or two that I find interesting deal with the stadium lit up and the center of the stadium that looks like a ball of plasma or something, some computer-generated effect, and then these little spikes coming out from it. And the stadium basically encases this little ball with spikes. With well, a ball with spikes, of course, it looks like a coronavirus. Uh, whatever the virus might be, it looks like a coronavirus. Now... Even if that's true, it's like, well, they, they predicted the pandemic. Okay, supposedly all these coronaviruses look the same. They didn't really say, like, they didn't have, like, in the bottom corner of, of this imagery, 2020. <laughs> 2020 will be the coronavirus pandemic. Watch for it. This is the revelation of the method. No, they just, they had a weird death-like character and a big giant baby and a bunch of NHS workers and kids in beds. It's really spooky. Now, of course, the Olympic Committee said, the Olympic website said, that the sequence of events represented the green and pleasant land mythologized by romantic poet William Blake in his poem Jerusalem, where he talks about a new, a new Jerusalem, uh, the new Zion, very much 
referencing, of course, what Lady Diana mentioned about Prince William, that she believes Prince William could be the King Arthur that could unify everything. And, and, and she, was, she was a representation of Merlin, the magician, which is even more interesting because Isis, the flawless goddess, she brings Osiris back to life. She is a magician. She uses her magical powers to do this. Now, Diana was named after, well, Diana. She was ritually murdered, the 13th pillar of a tunnel that means Bridge of Souls. And the Bridge of Souls there was an old Merovinian sacred holy bloodline, supposedly of, of, the, of the Jesus Christ character himself, who sired children with Mary, came to southern France after the crucifixion. The bloodline continues today. The Merovinian sacrificial site to the goddess Diana. Diana was buried on a man-made island in the center of a lake called Oval, which is, of course, the womb, the monad, the solar symbol. So you have the female and male present in this imagery, making Lady Diana not only the goddess of hunting, who is always buried, always seen in the forest in this grove of trees, making her the lady of the lake. And she once said before she died about William's reign as king, I believe Wills can rebuild Camelot and I will be his Merlin. We will return to the chivalry, pageantry, and glory of King Arthur's court. William will remake the monarch by showing love, leadership, and compassion. You see, the King Arthur and the Osiris Isis or the Osirian myth and symbol and archetype present here. 2012 Olympics, all of this supposed symbolism about coronavirus, but really, the 2012 Olympics signified something else, perhaps. It was the 30th Olympics, and this was the year that Prince William turned 30 years old. Many people speculated, including this guy, some of you might remember him named Rick Clay. He was, uh, well, he might have been murdered, but he was killed. He was either right before the Olympics or right after. He went on like Red Ice Radio and some other places. He talked about a lot of this stuff. And he speculated, he, he, is one of, he was one of the only people I've ever heard um, talk about how he believes Prince William might actually be the Antichrist, or at least an Antichrist-like character, because there are many Antichrists who bring about this new order. And the only other person I've ever talked to who thought that is is my friend and colleague Clyde Lewis. I remember we were we were driving in the car in Portland one of the times I took a trip there, and he was explaining to me this his theory on Lady Diana. And I said, yeah, that's Revelations 12. That's the lady about to give birth with the 12 stars, the European Union. And uh, the Red Dragon is the house of uh, the Queen, the house of Windsor, the royal family, murders the, murders the, the princess. As the only, Clyde was literally the only other person I've talked to who thought that. So this is significant going back to the 2012 Olympics, not because of coronavirus, but because of Prince William and because of the, of the royal lineage going back perhaps to to Jesus they're talking about something now on a global level called the great reset and I met a lot of people over the years who have been buying all this foreign currency and gold and they've said the resets coming the resets coming the resets coming 
as if the reset means that the bankers are just going to say, ah, uh, yeah, we're just going to erase your debt and we're going to start over. You know, or we're going to get rid of the dollar as the currency, the world reserve, and we're going to have, you know, the, the Iranian currency. Someone I knew bought a bunch of Iranian currency. Not a good move, but I'm not a, an economic advisor. I don't know. But now they're talking about this great reset, which is a new normal. And they're not calling it a new world order. They're calling it a new normal. But it's a new normal of a global system. And they were talking about this at a digital economic world forum recently, where Prince Charles, the Prince Charles, talked about how, quote, we have a golden opportunity to seize something good from this COVID-19 crisis. It's unprecedented. Shockwaves may well make people more receptive to big visions of change. Two things are echoed here. One, remember Emmanuel's, Rahm Emanuel's statement, never let a good crisis go to waste. And what I mean by that is use the crisis to do something you wouldn't otherwise be able to do. May well make people more receptive to big visions of change. But he says we have a golden opportunity. So the second thing that resonates here is, this is a big idea. We have a great, I can't, I can't do the Bush, I can't do the Bush voice without laughing. It's a big idea, a new world order. Listen here, Dan, no new taxes. We're just going to raise the existing taxes. We have a real chance at this new world order, a new world order in which a credible United Nations can use their peacekeeping abilities. You know how it goes. Use their peacekeeping abilities. Yeah, they're going to bring peace. Prince William, hopefully, Princess Diana said, will return chivalry, pageantry, and the glory of King Arthur's court. He will remake the monarchy by showing love, leadership, and compassion. Now, Prince Charles is here speaking about this on a global forum. Now, the World Economic Forum founder and executive chairman Klaus Schwab talked about how the world must act swiftly to revamp every aspect of our society. I'm paraphrasing this and our economies from education to working conditions. Every country from the U.S. to China, they say, must participate in every industry from oil and gas to tech must be transformed. So what we're seeing now is the planned societal, cultural, and economic destruction of the global superpower in the United States. And its replacement with a new power and new methods of control through transhumanism and an eye in the sky, if you will. A pharmacological method of servitude, which people, as Huxley said, people will eventually begin to love their servitude. I do believe this is possible. You know about all the Merovinian legends about the blood of Christ and the you know, how the divine right to rule given to man by God. And this led to, you know, the Holy Grail, which is the Holy Blood. One of the Diana Memorials, Herod's department store, has her picture in a Pisces between two pillars, the high priestess, and there in the middle is the last cup that she drank out of. It's a form of Holy Grail. Now, this bloodline of, of Jesus, this bloodline of the royals, is, is supposedly traced to the house of uh, David, and from this house of David, the story is, at least, whether or not the, the, this particular royal bloodline is actually legit. 
the bloodline of, of, of the Messiah is traced to the house of David, and from this house of David bloodline comes the ruler of this, this new order. But it's, it's fraudulent, meaning that the, the family does not actually have this, this bloodline. And so, as a result of that, you have a, a new Jerusalem, like William Blake wrote about, a new kingdom. These were present during the 2012 London Olympics that appears to serve light and good. But what it really is, is a global slave system controlled by that Lord Voldemort character that they tell you is just a J.K. Rowling character. It, it, it is, but it's based on the Antichrist. It's based on the rider of the pale horse as one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse, death. And death was his name, destruction, chaos followed. Death, destruction of all things, cold, winter, hell, like Dante explained as well. So from Diana, who was known as a number of things, I mean, she was, she was killed during the Festival of the Rose. That's something that is extremely significant considering that she was called England's Rose, and the Rose, as in the Rosicrucians and the Knights Templar, the Blood Cross, the Rose Cross, the Red Cross, the Cross with the Blood of Christ, but the Rose, the femininity, the Divine Feminine, protected by the Templars. Diana was known as England's Rose. She was the blood, if you will. Some even referred to her as England's Mary. She was also known as the Queen of Heaven, by extension of her relationship to Isis, I mean, even her perfume was called Isis after she died. The memorials, the black pentagram at the tunnel to the, to the swan in Hyde Park, all of it is Isis. All of it is Isis. The Kennedy assassination, it's all Osiris. George Floyd's death is Osirian in nature, the black god in the gold coffin. Diana was also known as the Queen of Hearts. Heart. The heart cross, Jesus points to the heart, let God, let Jesus into your heart. She is the princess, the queen by which gives birth to a child who will restore Camelot, who will restore the monarchy, but will do so with love and leadership and compassion, Diana says. That's a quote, love, leadership, and compassion, but it's fraudulent, it's false. Now, maybe Prince William is not the Antichrist, but Prince William perhaps is a piece of the Antichrist, because the Antichrist is also known in a number of other names. By extension, there are other Antichrists known as the, the little Antichrist or the little horn, for example. And Diana, she's placed in that, that little tiny island in the middle of that lake. She becomes the lady of the lake. And if you've ever read Revelation 12... Revelation 12, and there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed in the sun, a woman clothed with the sun, depending on your translation, and the moon under her feet. This is, of course, Diana, Selene. It's all replaceable. And upon her head, a crown of 12 stars. That's the European Union. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. And if you extend Revelations 12 and you go beyond Revelations 12.1, you grab your, uh, your Bible and you could read along, kind of like uh, doing, uh, what, what they do that in like church. I haven't been to church forever, but they do that in church, right? You get your Bible, 
You read along. So you got the woman clothed in the sun. She stands on the moon. That, of course, is the goddess Diana. But the section is the woman and the dragon. She's pregnant. She cries out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in the heaven. An enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its head. The seven crowns of the seven hills of Rome, of course. And this enormous red dragon, the red dragon, when Prince Charles became the Prince Charles that we know him today, Prince Charles was inaugurated with giant red dragons in the background. Prince Charles was also recently at the World Economic Forum depicted with a rainbow crown on his head, and the rainbow, just like those used on the all-seeing eyes of the 2012 London Olympics, represents a bridge to somewhere else, a bridge of souls, if you will, the Pont d'Alma Tunnel, where Diana was murdered by hitting the 13th pillar and then was left to bleed out in the tunnel as if she was disemboweled, exactly what they used to do to the animals and perhaps humans at that sacrificial site to Diana. That is the bridge of souls. Revelation 12, 1 through 4. That other sign that appeared, its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of a woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness, goddess of hunting, to place to a place prepared for her by God where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days, which I do believe 1,260 days. Isn't that the, um, well, not 1,260 days, but 1,260 years. I believe that's something to do with the procession of the equinoxes as well. So astrological uh, in nature, too. The great red dragon is, of course, the, the monarchy. Diana, to give birth to the child, the male who will rule the nations with an iron scepter. She once said about Prince William, I believe Wills can rebuild Camelot and I will be as Merlin. We will return to the chivalry, pageantry, and glory of King Arthur's court. Remember, she is the lady of the lake. William will remake the monarchy by showing love, leadership, and compassion. Some would argue, though, that Prince William is not really an antichrist per se, but it's actually Prince Charles, and there's a tremendous amount of information pertaining to that as well. At the beginning of tonight's show, I mentioned the Luciferian march, where now they're not talking about a new world order or a new order of the ages, a global society. It doesn't exist. Okay, it exists, but it's all about peace and prosperity. It's all about love, leadership, and compassion. No. Now... It's about destruction. It's about chaos. The Luciferian march, you can say, oh, it's fake. It's real. There are people that literally believe in this, not even atheistic, but this, it's not Luciferian, though. I, it's satanic. It's the antithesis of God and good. It is of the devil. It is of, remove the D, E-V-I-L. It is an inversion of living. They want to destroy all living things, life Live inverted, L-I-V-E, to invert it satanically means E-V-I-L. L-I-V-E, turn it over, E-V-I-L. It's evil. It's an inversion. And this is what's being called for. And the political system being used to bring this about is one that 
tells people that historically they are guilty for their ancestors' crimes or misdeeds or for things that were common for their ancestors to do and believe, things that were accepted 150, 200, 300 years ago, 1,000 years ago, you are guilty of those things. And the disenfranchised youth who have no idea about anything going on in the world, who are brainwashed, have complete control to do whatever they want, whenever they want, because it's in the name of justice and equality. Cultural warfare, societal warfare through race, through sex, through finance, etc., etc., etc. That's the political system being used to bring this about. That is your order. That is new. That is your normal. That is new. So you want to talk about the London Olympics and the prediction of some kind of predictive, uh, predictive programming event for the future. I don't think it's really a predictive programming event for the future. I think that was more of a fertility ritual, but the relationship to what's happening today is powerful because of the New Jerusalem, Prince William, Prince Charles, the death of Lady Diana, the relationship of these archetypes to the death of Kennedy, to the death of George Floyd, the black god like Osiris placed in the golden coffin. All these things are the other layers beyond you know, the Olympic Committee saying, oh, that's just Lord Voldemort. It is, but it's also more than that. It's also the Joker. It's also the Lord of Chaos. It's also the Lord of the Flies. It's also Baal. It's also Paimon. It's all the demons. It's all things evil. E-V-I-L-L-I-V-E. The inversion of living. It's all those things. It's the trickster. It's the joker. It's the rider of the pale horse. Death. And following death is hell. Hell is cold. Hell is dark. And astronomically and astrologically speaking, without the sun, without Osiris, without the sun goddess Amaterasu, the Japanese goddess, the land of the rising sun, we have cold darkness. But when we have the sun, we have warm light. It's all part of the sequence of cyclical events. And these are powerful images, powerful sigils that are used with your attention, your energy, and currency from the Olympics to the Super Bowl to pandemics to race riots, whatever it might be. The people that are making decisions to change the direction of society have studied more of this than I have. I'm just telling you and explaining to you what I've seen but it's like I've been in a car wreck. I can only give you a few details here or there. This is meaningful to the people in charge, and it's powerful, and you can see the influence of it all around you. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Stay tuned to The Fringe FM. Check out our website at www.thesecretteachings.info and send me an email. What did you think of tonight's show? rdgable at yahoo.com. We've got some great guests coming up in the next few weeks. A lot of great show topics. Don't go anywhere. Stay with us on the Fringe FM. Again, I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Mm-hmm.